morning crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Gonzo, also known as Super G, is in the building. And we're going to be talking about Gary Gensler today, so I may as well give him an introduction. Welcome to Good Morning Crypto, Gary Gensler. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Gary Gensler was called into Congress this morning due to his unfair regulation of the cryptocurrency industry. As Circle MoneyGram at a copper company has steamed up with Stellar, now building on their blockchain for 2024. And with Ripple coming out and making a massive announcement around carbon credits, we break down the details, showing our community how the largest financial firms on the planet are in the process of going digital. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, Gary Gensler is the topic of conversation this morning. But before we get into it, how you feeling, my friend? And thanks for being here. Well, I love, I love how you said that. Gary's definitely going to be part of our show today. That's for, you might as well put him up there as one of our. But no, I'm feeling, I'm feeling better than yesterday. Abs uh, still recovering. So good morning to all the warrior maniacs out there. We love you. We appreciate you, especially there's a special one out there, Abs, that we're going to give a shout out to. But I'll let you do that. Gonzo, great to see you as well, brother. Hope you, hope you're doing well. Super G, it's always a glad to have you on the Good Morning Crypto Show. But first of all, how you feel, my friend? This weekend was awesome. So why don't you talk about this weekend and we'll jump into it. Yeah, good morning, everybody. Uh, you know, I'm just feeling really blessed. Like, it was an awesome weekend. Uh, we missed you guys. But anytime that the team's together, uh, just, you know, the vibe and the frequency is off the charts. You know, we laughed, we cried, we just spent time together and, and it was awesome. And so definitely built some really, really good memories and, and definitely feel very recharged and, and just ready to go with purpose. Absolutely, guys. And we got amazing content prepared for today's show as well. We already got 92 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and get ready for an exciting episode. But we're going to start this thing off the same way we always do by checking out the Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button for updates throughout the day. When we look at some of the daily movers this morning, we've got Maker Token up about 8%, Bitcoin Cash up about 6.5%, and XRD up 5%. When we check out the total coin market cap this morning, we are sitting at 1.04 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 49% dominance. Ethereum is about 18%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 26,200. Ethereum, 1,600. And XRP sitting here at 50 cents this morning. And guys, we're starting off with a video that's pretty, pretty interesting out of the words of Gary Gensler because the spot Bitcoin ETF applications are stacking up at the SEC Nearly a dozen applications have been filed by trillions of dollars worth of institutions. And now Gary Gensler is making some profound statements admitting Bitcoin is not a security. Um, um, and as I wrote in that paper at that time, uh, it was really about something called the Howey test. And the Supreme Court, it's the law of the land, talks about if there's the public is anticipating a profit based on the efforts of others. Uh, and as I think I noted in that paper back in 2018, uh, I didn't see that uh, Bitcoin. But your view on Bitcoin, you've, you've made comments on this. You believe Bitcoin is is not a security. Is that true? Well, I think the staff of the SEC have also uh, and the prior well, chair. I'm just asking you this question, and this is not a gotcha. I thought this was going to be an easy softball into harder questions. 
Do you think Bitcoin is a security? I think I've said this in the past that I think that it's- I'm asking you to answer my question now. This is not supposed to be hard. Get him. It's not me the Howey test, which is the okay. law of the land about being So it doesn't be the Howey test. Right. So therefore, it's a commodity. Is that fair? I, I, I would say it's not a security. And then the test is otherwise for other okay. laws. Boom. Johnny Crypto. I heard the floodgates opening for the spot Bitcoin ETF as Gary was speaking there. But you kick it to me. What are you thinking right now as Gary Gensler finally admits Bitcoin's not a security? Boy. I've never seen a harder way to say a simple answer. It just cannot make it simple. Come on, Gary, just spit it out. There we go. Look, John nailed it, right? Spit it out. Finally, he did it at the end. And I mean, we all knew, everybody in our moment, we all knew it didn't mean to how he does. Because first of all, there's no corporation. There's no entity. There's nobody to freaking sue. <laughs> like, throw that leg out. And then there's the other three legs. Those, those Half of those don't withhold. So the reality is, yes, Ab, it is not. A security. We've all known it. Gary now just the good news is as of what's today's date? 27. It's finally official. That's of September 27, 2023. Nobody will ever have to talk about it again. We've always been saying on this show, it is not a security. Of course, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, you know, he didn't want to go as far as say it's a commodity. Oh, the, the, the CFTSC, they gotta now do their test, but we all know if it's not a security, what the hell else can it be? It's gonna be a commodity. So that's gonna now set the stage for the Bitcoin ETF, right? We're moving towards that direction now. And it's just going to clearly just make it, I think, simpler. Of course, they're going to have to put those other things in place. But this is just a continued path right onto the place, I think, for everything to stack up and fall right in place for the next bull run to happen with a BTC ETF coming, uh, the halving coming, and just so many things that are starting to stack up. And now you saw people talking about the Fed lowering the rates. If all three of those things happen at the same time, Major, major liquidity base to kick off the next bull run apps. Gonzo, and the best thing about Bitcoin is there will never be more than 21 million in circulation. And with firms like Fidelity, BlackRock, Goldman Sachs, all going out and buying Bitcoin at the same time, there's going to be a massive supply shock for the entire market. And we can talk about how that's going to affect altcoins later on in the show. But what do you think for 2024? Do you believe we're going to enter the year 2024 with a spot Bitcoin ETF approval? Um like that we're going to get it in 2024. We're not going to get it. I, I believe we're not going to get it in 2023. Like you saw what just happened uh, as far as like the, uh, there was a bipartisan letter that was sent to him basically telling him to approve the spot Bitcoin ETF. And his response 40 minutes later was to delay the ARC application that wasn't due yet. Like he, you know, they've been actually taking these things all the way down to the wire and he actually did that early, right? So the big fu, uh, but then now you have him in front. I was watching the the um, uh, him in front of the 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 house, and uh, you know it was funny. You know you can't even like you said, like he couldn't even answer the basic question. But he didn't say anything new. He's already said that Bitcoin is not a security, so he wasn't saying anything new. But you could tell he's very kind of mincing his words. I thought they were going to hit him with the eat thing again, but they even said like, we didn't even get to Ethereum. Like we're giving you an easy one, but it's just the way that he is. Right. Uh, but I thought that was interesting that he went out yesterday and uh, delayed the ARC application for the spot ETF. Of course, they're blaming that the possible shutdown of the government, but I, I think it was a big F you to, uh, to the, ha- uh, or to those representatives that sent that letter. And so, you know, I think they're going to get their pound of flesh today while they have them uh, in front of them. 
And what do you think the impact could be if we don't see a Bitcoin ETF approved before the Bitcoin having? Do you think the bullish momentum is there regardless? Or do you think this is a catalyst that we need in order for Bitcoin to reach that next level of price? I, I think that we, we kind of put those narratives on there. I think Bitcoin's going to do what Bitcoin has always done. And so this just happens to be the narrative that brings in the liquidity. But there's always something, right? And so I, I think that Bitcoin's can continue doing to what it does. That's why I was leaning into we're going to get it nest here because it's going to like merge with the Bitcoin having. But like when you look at it historically, uh, you know, Plan B talks about this a lot, that the best time to buy Bitcoin is literally like six months before the having, which is going to be coming up here in November. And the best time to sell Bitcoin is I want to say it's 18 months after um, uh, the having. Um, because that's usually giving us our top. I believe it's 18 months, not 12. I mean, yeah, I think it's a year and a half. Um, and so I, I think we're going to continue to repeat these cycles uh, and then the narratives kind of just fall into place. And for the time being, Bitcoin controls the momentum of this market, Gonzo. And although there's better products out there, XRP, HBAR, Ethereum is even a product I consider to be better than Bitcoin. For the time being, Bitcoin's liquidity is what drives the crypto markets. And now we're seeing the SEC in the United States begin to understand that concept. Here's the remainder of that clip. Well, the CFTC says they don't have the authority uh, uh, over uh, Bitcoin uh, and digital uh, commodities. Uh, do you think uh, legislation is necessary to protect consumers uh, in the world of digital assets in particular, uh, given that gap around just Bitcoin? I, I think as I've testified here in this committee room four years ago as a private citizen that they're that or the parts of the crypto ecosystem that are not securities, though under the Commodities Exchange Act, the CFTC has some anti-fraud authorities, they don't have what's called plenary authority to write rules around that. And as I've said in the past, uh, I've been supportive of our sister agency, if I can say that, an agency that I once was honored to chair and I like quite a bit, uh, uh, doesn't have that plenary authority. And if Congress move forward on that, that could help them. And so, Johnny, that's why these times are more important than ever. If people like Gary Gensler are beginning to shift their stance, these are the biggest contrarians to crypto that exist in the market today. We saw what happened in 2017 with JP Morgan. Now we're seeing the same thing at the SEC. It's a slower shift, but what we're going to see is a 180. We're going to adopt cryptocurrency in the United States. And Gary Gensler is even beginning to admit he understands that concept. Bitcoin it's an international asset and a store of value that doesn't have any really counterparts because of the way it's been allowed to be adopted thus far. So I'm going to give you the floor and then we'll kick it to Gonzo. Well, I think the most exciting news there is Brown and Gary pushing back and making excuses and not answering questions. He finally offered a thought that actually would be helpful, right? <clears throat> so he's saying that the CFTC doesn't have the planetary authority to be able to go ahead and regulate or control or write rules around this thing and so either congress has to give them that authority or congress has to define themselves what that you know what that planetary is for it and they're not going to do that because that's too much work for congress but what they will do most likely is maybe create some regulation that empowers that agency to do it which means again now you have an agency that can can write up rules and things like that but nonetheless it's still progress moving forward and uh, so I think that now we just, you know, for things that, that are not considered security. Now, remember, Gary thinks almost everything's a security other than Bitcoin. So we're talking like 
There's 10,200 and something active coins. He's saying only one is not a security. So just just, just to kind of set the record straight there. Um, but anyway, nonetheless, I do like the fact that he's offering a suggestion that kind of moves us the needle in the right direction. And I want to give a shout out to our friend Gonzo, Mark Yusko, because he was explaining on another friend of our channel, the Sin City Crypto channel, how he knows that BlackRock is going to get that ETF approval this year. And he can't disclose his inside sources but there are some inside sources letting him know about this information. And guys, we already got 210 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And we're talking Gary Gensler right now, but we got some great XRP news as well when it comes to the carbon credit market today. What do you think, Gonzo? Gary Gensler shifting. Mark Yusko says he knows sources. We're going to get an ETF this year. What's all this mean to you? You know, the fair thing would be to give it to um, ARK Investing because they were first in line, right? Um or to approve them all at once. But it's not going to shock me, right? It's not going to shock me if they do it out of order and they give it to BlackRock. You know, we're talking about the SEC and what they've shown us continuously is that there is uh, an issue where um, uh, not an identity, but their core values of protecting investors is just not there, right? Some people would say they're rotten to the core. And you know, whether it's Operation Choke Point 2, 2.0 that they keep furthering or um, some of the other things that they've done and then leading up to like if they end up just approving Black Rocks and no one else's, it, it's not going to shock me. They continuously do things that are unethical. I think that's the word I was looking for. They're very unethical, so it's not going to shock me at all. Johnny Crypto, we got a great video I want to play of Ray Dalio just explaining Bitcoin because I think this adds a lot of value to our listeners. One of the things people need to understand about Bitcoin is the fact that it got a free pass from people at the SEC, even if it's just as a matter of opinion, there's no coincidences here. And I think Ray Dalio is somebody who understands this better than most. We got 222 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and tell me, are you an advocate of Bitcoin or do you think that we will have better products that surpass this at some point? Well, the evolution of Bitcoin over the years is one of the things that has um, influenced changes in my view. Um, it has proven itself um, something like 10, 11 years ago. Imagine the programming of this and here's the, you throw it out and that's the idea. It has not been hacked. It has um, um, operated, it is built, it has come an amazing way um, over that 11 years to be um, maybe uh, probably the most excited topic among a lot of people um, and has been used and, and is now um, has obtained you know, the status of having imputed value. At the same time, it is one of those assets that is an alternative money. I think we're entering an era where um, there's going to be a competition of monies um, because of the printing of fiat money um, and the dep depreciated value. There will be a competition of monies um, and Bitcoin is part of that competition. But the money has two purposes, a medium of exchange and a storehold of wealth. And that's where the Bitcoin conversation gets a little bit more complicated, guys, because as a medium of exchange, Bitcoin, it's better than traditional gold or maybe even monetary, the system that exists today. But when you compare it even to products like Ethereum, which are lacking, 
it's much, much worse. We can only get to about three to six transactions per second. Some have estimated you can scale up to about 5,000 Bitcoin per uh, transaction volume. But even that is far too small to ever be a global exchange of value, guys. So, Johnny, I'm going to kick it to you and then we'll move on to some new content. Well, it's a very controversial topic. And, you know, I see people, I love it when I see people in chat saying, Bitcoin has no utility. Well, uh, sorry, guys. It actually does. Countries are freaking third world countries right now. Apps are running on Bitcoin. So when you sit there and you say it has no utility, you just sound ignorant. You want to do your homework. They actually, countries are running off of it. So can it be done? Yeah. Are there other solutions that are better? Yes, no question. But at the end of the day, will Bitcoin be here to stay? Yeah, it's not going away. It'll probably end up being some kind of store of value. And that will be the utility. See, people don't understand that a store of value is a utility. If people are storing it as it's gold, then its value, its utility is to hold value. It's that simple. That is a utility. Now, I think when people think utility, like, oh, you know, moving money across borders or, you know, or playing a game or so. Yeah, that, that's also other forms of utility. But storing value is also a utility. It kills me when I hear people say, oh, it's got no utility. Yes, it has utility. Now, whether that's going to win as the utility of store value, that's another question for the whole world to decide. But I do think, and I actually think it will win because it's already got such a huge First, you know, first movers advantage like Ethereum does that I think both of them are here to stay. Both of them will have, you know, technologies and layers that are going to try to improve them over time. But they're so ingrained in now that I don't see them, either one of them going away as much as everybody wants those two to die. I don't think they are. I think I think Bitcoin is here and it's its utility will most likely be a store of value in the long run, as everybody calls it, digital gold. You know what the problem is? Um is that the maxis have just held onto it so tight that we haven't seen a lot of innovation, right? Like they've been trying to fix the Lightning Network for how long? And then you look at something like Ethereum when they first got like, they've gone through their phases of different types of rollups, right? You had Plasma, then you had Sidechains, then you had Optimistics. Now we have ZK and it seems like ZK, Zero Knowledge Proofs, is going to be the end game. Um, those same kind of scaling solutions can be used on Bitcoin. They just choose to like hold on to that code so tightly they don't want to mess with it. And so who knows if that ends up being kind of like the downfall that they held on so tightly and weren't willing to innovate uh, if they start to have um, 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 issues. But yeah, you know, that that's what it's become, you know, a store of value. Um, you know, it remains to be seen, you know, when we talk about payments, you want something that's super secure, but you also need uh, throughput, right? Which is exactly what they don't have. Ethereum doesn't have it yet either, right? It, it leans on the layer twos for throughput, especially after the next upgrade that we get. But um, yeah, so we'll see how it plays out. But that same tech that they use on Ethereum, they can use that on Bitcoin also. Well, what's interesting is I think as this market evolves, it's going to move away from assets being a store of value and maybe even having transaction volume. But instead, it's going to be where do these institutions decide to plant their tokenized assets? And what we're looking at right now is blockchains like Stellar, Polkadot, um, Chainlink, and Solana. So there's a couple of unexpected ones in there. We've been very, bi not biased, but I'd say we've been very uh, structured around the X tokens and the banking aspect of this. But we're going to show you a, a new report out of the Federal Reserve this morning explaining how tokenized assets are about to take the world by storm. And it's going to be everything from goods and services to real estate 
bonds markets, everything can go on the blockchain. It's just about a long-term migration into that direction. And guys, we already got 240 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. If you want to see Gary Gensler getting roasted, stick around to the end of the show because we're going to go back to that content here. But the Federal Reserve has published a paper exploring the benefits and use cases of tokenized real-world assets on blockchains. The paper was titled Tokenization, Overview and Financial Stability Implications. Now, real-world assets such as stocks, bonds, real estate, and commodities are already being tokenized leveraging the blockchain. And asset tokenization can harness the power of blockchain technology to offer a wide variety of benefits, according to the Federal Reserve. Tokenization has the potential to provide a variety of benefits, including granting investors access to markets that were otherwise inaccessible or costly to enter. Johnny, what I think they're talking about here is things like tokenized real estate. If I was going to do a a hotel venture right now, we're going to purchase a $40 million property. We would go out and purchase maybe eight, $5 million chunks from big time investors. What fractionalized real estate does is you could say, we're actually going to take 5% of that property and go out and get it from small investors. People can donate $1,000 onto the blockchain to 0.001% of an asset. That's going to open up the floodgates for liquidity. So when we're talking about tokenized assets, Stellar is the blockchain that takes center stage. What do you think about the Federal Reserve admitting this technology has already taken place? Well, first of all, that already exists today. It's called crowdsourcing or crowdfunding, and it's a way that you can contribute to real estate but through cash products right then you can put a certain percentage in and through crowdfunding and you can own whatever project they're funding for so what's happening is that was like you know step one let's figure out how to do it now step two is you take that process and you digitize it right and that's what's happening next and now that's why you're going to see that happen it's now the difference is it's a lot easier to be able to you know do everything digitally right on the computer and boom send it in and send it transfer everything so much simpler and faster so it's just gonna it's kicking it up a level and taking it the next notch, notch up you know grant, grant cardone does a lot of that stuff but now you're going to see it on steroids and yes abs the whole world all the stuff will eventually be digitized and there'll be different blockchains doing it, it won't just be xlm There'll be a monster battle for that piece of it as well, as there is all these different areas of utility that are they're trying to solve for. But we do know that the tokenization of all assets is going to be huge. I forgot how many trillions you said it was going to be. Was it 14 trillion? Well, trillion. the lowest estimates are about five. They can get us up to eight, 12 trillion dollars. Yeah, I thought I saw like as high as 14 trillion dollars in assets that could be tokenized. So we're talking about a significant uh, amount of utility and, and volume. And remember, the volume is important because the trading, the daily trading volume of these institutions is what's going to set the market cap. And the market cap is then going to set the price of the token. So very, very interesting. Keep an eye on who's winning the daily trade volume. Not of retail volume, but institutional trade volume. And Gonzo, it's articles like these that are super important. We talked about Stellar leading the world when it comes to tokenized assets. Well, Ripple just made an acquisition of Fortress Trust, and they're calling this a one-stop shop for all tokenization. The best part about this company, currently they're compliant with U.S. regulations. So right now, they've got some of the best specialists when it comes to government regulation, specifically in crypto, and that's who Ripple just purchased in their last acquisition. So we're talking Ripple. We're talking XRP. When do you think tokenization begins to start hitting the world? And maybe everyday people are using that technology. I think as they build the infrastructure, right? Because um, 
right now the market is small, but it's going to get so much bigger, right? Because it's all about sourcing liquidity and being able to move that value in between the different blockchains. So you see as they build the infrastructure and we're talking about like Chainlink with TCIP or like XLM, AVAX, Ethereum, they're all working on some type of tokenization, but you're going to need to kind of group together all of that liquidity and be able to move that value in between chains. Um, and so as they develop that technology, I think that's when it really starts to grow. Because if you tokenize something and it stays just on one chain, you only have access to that liquidity. You need the liquidity from all the chains to really make it flow. That's when the money will really start to flow in. So, um, you know, I think that they're building it as we speak. It's the major use cases of blockchain of cryptocurrency, right? You got uh, real world payments or you got payments, right? You got tokenization of assets. And I think the other big one's going to be the gaming sector. And look at this article right here, Johnny Crypto, because even with uh, blockchains like XLM and XRP working on serious tokenization, Dogecoin and Shiba Inu are now being accepted at an HSBC location. They announced yesterday, we are delighted to announce that HSBC users are eligible to pay their mortgage bills and their loans with cryptocurrencies through FCF Pay. Some of the accepted cryptocurrencies you can use are Bitcoin, Ethereum, Binance Coin, Ripple, Dogecoin, and Shiba Inu, guys. They're getting all the better currencies here. I'd rather have Shiba Inu than the U.S. dollar, and I'm only kidding, of course, Johnny Crypto. What do you think about HSBC's latest development? If companies are going to start using this technology, this is a very exciting development. I mean, this is very, very exciting. This is the first step into getting people familiarized with crypto. When a bank like that comes out and says, hey, you could pay your mortgage, which is probably the most important debt or bill every homeowner has. There's, there's nothing more important than keeping the roof over your head. And you say, and they say, oh, you can pay in cryptocurrency. Like, what? What's a cryptocurrency? That is going to start a discussion. That discussion is going to lead to research. That research will lead to adoption. People will understand it and they'll start using it. This is, that's huge. That's huge. And the fact that, you know, they've opened up to seven or eight and that, you know, you saw Ripple in there and a few of the other prominent ones. Um, the reality is that will start to create confidence, trust, those kinds of things that we talked about that ultimately lead to adoption. I and mean, that's huge news. And the question is, are they the only ones doing it right now? Or were there other banks mentioned in there that are doing it too? Do you know that? Well, it's a quite a difference. Like you see what they're doing, but then look what's happening in the UK with, with JP Morgan Chase, right? They're actually telling people that if they can prove that whatever you're buying is connected to cryptocurrency, they're going to deny the, the purchase, right? And if you don't like it, you can go to a different bank. And so maybe HSBC is one of the banks that you want to go to. Uh, so like you still have like that, like some banks are thinking outside the box and then you have other banks that are kind of doing the whole choke point 2.0. But I mean, we're not really surprised, right? It's, it, it's Jamie Dimon, it's Chase, right? But uh, I mean, it, it's crazy, right? Because it's your money, right? But you now you understand that it's your money. You give it to them so that they can make money. Not you make money, but they make money off your make your money off fractional reserve banking. But then now they have the ability to tell you that you can't spend your money, and if you don't like it, you should go somewhere else. And and I think that's actually really and good that's advice. That's what people right? are gonna do. And 100%. that's what, and people 100%. are gonna do. It. We just yeah. talked to yesterday on the show. I know you weren't here, Gonzo. We talked literally that whole topic of Chase banning it. And we said there's going to be a pro-crypto community institutions and anti-crypto. And, and we know now where Chase stands, which we always knew because we know who runs it. But uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, 
it ain't gonna stop. It isn't gonna be. It, it's too late to stop it. Crypto is gonna happen, and eventually Chase will be joining the party, and so will everybody else. It's just we're in the beginning of the of the fight, and so you're going to you know people picking sides, and it's happening. But we all know, I think, where this is headed. Blockchain is not going away. Its technology is too good, too efficient, too low cost for it to not happen. And companies will adopt it, institutions will adopt it, and governments will adopt it. And then, of course, at some point, everybody. In fact, you know what's funny? While while they're saying now, right now, that Chase won't won't, won't accept it, God, so I'm sure they're working on the background of how to set it up so they could. <laughs> Absolutely, Chase is owned by J.P. Morgan, so I can guarantee you that's what they're doing right now, guys. But we got 266 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And this is another update about tokenization specifically out of Stellar. So yesterday we covered the news. Stellar partnered with MoneyGram to launch a digital wallet in quarter one of 2024, announcing they are building on top and leveraging the XLM blockchain. We've got another development here, guys. Although the price chart doesn't move, it's these types of articles that we'll point to when the price chart is moving, and that'll drive in new retail investors. So Circle and the Stellar Development Foundation launched a European stablecoin on the Stellar network to enhance the European remittance network here. Circle and Stellar announced that the launch of the ERC, or sorry, not the ERC, the EURC on the Stellar network. This European stablecoin will run on three layer one blockchains, including Ethereum, Avalanche, and XLM. As a result, DeFi and decentralized applications are now going to be developers, allow developers on three chains to build the financial ecosystems to tap in and capture the European market. The Stellar network has an easy choice for Circle to team up with, as it offers the most secure, scalable, and affordable ecosystem to run tokenized assets on. So, Johnny, these types of articles are what are so important. Asset tokenization is a game that takes place over a decade, maybe even two decades. Nobody really knows how long this process could take. But what we're seeing is the slow migration into better technologies. And that's what we try to highlight on this channel every single day. What do you take away from Circle and Stellar partnering up, now capturing European liquidity? I mean, this is no surprise, you know, Circle's in there. We know who the backers behind them are. I think the fact that Circle and Stellar are coming together, I've always felt Stellar was going to play big in this game. They were going to have a big spot in this place. And because, A, you don't really hear a lot about them, but we know the Teflon Don, right, is running them. And so you got the you got the connection and you got silence. Those two things mean that's probably where something is happening. So for me... I've always felt like there's going to, I think XLM will have a big place when someday it'll just, it'll just drop, right? And I'm like, holy shit, they're monstrous. They're doing everything everywhere. And they've got all these things happening. So I really, really think that in the long run, that's one of those, that if you don't, if you're getting started in crypto and you're wondering, where do I invest in? What do I, you know, how, what, what bags do I want to start packing? I certainly XLM, in my opinion, would be on, on that list for sure. I think uh, it's just, just too much potential there for it to not have a place to play. Gonzo, and we often say it's not what you know, it's who you know. And Stellar, as well as the Teflon Don, know some of the strongest players in the crypto market. The Teflon Don even has connections to Elon Musk, which is pretty interesting, guys. We got 280 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And let me know in the live chat, do you think XLM will break its all-time high in 2025? If we get a bull market, we saw it in 2021. Some of these tokens never get past their all-time high price targets. I believe XLM could be one that is a great performer over the next couple of years. But Gonzo, what do you take away from all these developments, specifically MoneyGram and now Circle working with the Stellar Development Foundation? 
Yeah, you know, these guys just keep building. You know, I, I always lean into the technical analysis. And when you look at the chart, it's been weak. But I, I think it's just to do where we are in the cycle. Uh, but I, I think it's going to do extremely well. Um, we have to see if it breaks all-time high because it was one of those tokens that that kind of didn't make a new all-time high from the last time. But I think a lot of the, like if you follow Waters Above, a lot of the X tokens didn't do that, right? They didn't make new all-time highs. But I think that 2024 is kind of going to be their year, right? When you look at the Gamatria uh, and all that stuff. Um, so I, I think XLM will do extremely well. And don't forget, remember when we had Jenna, one of the first shows that we had Jenna on, she talked about her, fr her friend that worked at the three-letter agency and said at the end of the day, when this thing's over, that XLM would beat out XRP. Now, you know, I'm not trying to get people upset, but, um, you know, you, you can see them building the relationships. I mean, I think they're both going to do well. It, it, you can have a world where you have both. You're going to have multiple, right? They're all going to build. And the biggest thing will be there'll be connection points that connect all of the blockchains so that you can move money or value through all of them, right? And so I, I think that, you know, not financial advice, but you can't go wrong if, if you're investing in XRP and XLM. Absolutely, Gonzo. And I want to give a special shout out to one of our listeners out there, Fernando Maldano. We're, we're requesting a special shout out and we love you, man. We heard you listen to the show every day. Very, very thankful that we have people like you listening to our show. We really like the fact that we get to interact with our live chat. And that's just somebody who's been very active. So I want to give a spat out, shout out to our special friend. Thank you for listening. And Thanks. we know you're out there. So we appreciate you. But guys, we're going to get right back into this because Gary Gensler was just called out in this clip. Very, very exciting. These core objectives, sir. None of the 50 odd proposals your SEC has proposed promotes capital formation. Instead, the focus has shifted towards imposing costly regulatory and disclosure requirements. Equally troubling and potential violations of the administration uh, Administrative Protect, uh, Procedure Act as recent SEC proposals lack a comprehensive analysis of market dynamics and their consequences, especially for SEC rules that have been changed. Here's the way forward, sir. One, begin with a robust engagement with market participants to shape your thinking before proposing rules. Two, conduct investor testing. Three, economic analysis. And, and, and looking not just the individuals, but the cumulative. Four, do not ignore Congress when, send, when you send bipartisan letters expressing concerns about detrimental effects of the proposals. Use market integrity. I yield back. It's always so awkward with these things. I'm not sure I really like the structure. These are some of the smartest people in the country. And this is the structure they go by where they're constantly like cutting each other off before they can finish their statements. And I know they're on a strict time, but I don't think it's really productive for the conversation. But let's stick with what she had to say about Gary Gensler there. Gonzo, floor is yours, my friend. Oh, well, I don't know if they're the smartest people in the country. Maybe some of them are, depending on like what fields they have. But uh because like, you know, you know what I was noticing was funny because when I was watching the interviews uh, this morning or I was watching, you know, the, the session this morning is that a, a lot of them are just very, um, damn, I don't want to come off as like ageist, but they're just very like old, like Maxine Waters, like she needs to retire. Like you look at Biden, he's falling down all the time. Like when you think about somebody that's like 83 years old, you don't think of, okay, let's put him in charge of one of the greatest countries in the world. And, and that we're going to be in a position of power. And that's not like left or right. That's just like, dude, look at the guy. And then if you see a lot of them, you know, they've been in their positions for a very, very long time and they haven't gotten anything done. It's time to kind of step aside and let the younger generation come up and kind of come up with new rules and new laws. And when you look at all of the, 
kind of recent um, committees and the laws that are that they're going to have to be voting on, you see how it voted, right? The older ones were voting no, and then you had the younger ones, whether Republican or Democrat, were kind of supportive of crypto. They're supportive of technology because they grew up with the technology. They understand it, right? And and I think it needs to get even younger, right? Because it's just crazy. It's it's like their minds are closed and um, they just can't be accepting of it. Well, let's kick it to the crypto kid himself, Johnny Crypto. We got to know what you're thinking on this matter because we need to shift into the younger generation. And believe it or not, the older people in this market are very, very biased. When you watch these hearings and you listen to people like Maxine Waters talk about crypto, they fundamentally don't understand the value. And if they're the ones creating the rules, we're going to have a serious situation. We're seeing mass adoption in Europe, Asia, Middle East, but we're going to sit here in America and defer this technology overseas. I think we'd like to make some money. So you tell me what you're thinking and then we'll, we'll continue. Well, I think I have to remind you, Abs, because you're forgetting. I'll just put this back up here and then this might bring it all back together. And then you'll understand what's really going on. It's already done. It's going to happen. Crypto's going to be here. Bitcoin's, uh, blockchains are going to be here and they're going to figure it all out. But until we get there, it's just going to be like we said earlier. You got your anti-crypto fashion. And you've got your crypto, pro-crypto faction, and they're both there, and they're doing their things. And remember, a lot of these guys don't do their own research. They're given stuff. They're being told by the lobbyists. The lobbyists write the bills, tell them what to do and say, and then these guys go off and, and kind of push for that. So, And then, of course, this is their five minutes of stardom when they've got these committee meetings. That's how, the, how our Congress works, right? You pull these guys up there, and they got Gary in, and now... They'll get their five minutes of fame and they're going to start screaming and yelling them if he's not giving them what, what they want. So, yes, you're right. It is kind of an archaic system, but that's how it's actually in other countries. They actually fist fight. Yeah, I think it was in the UK. They'll start throwing punches. I know in Korea they certainly do. These things get really heated and they could be you know, actual fist fights and punches from, from what I've seen when I was in Korea for work a couple of times. But nonetheless, the reality is... Um, you know, she's just uh, venting her frustration because she's not getting the responses that she's expecting. Because I wouldn't say you, you call them the smartest people, but they are the elected people. And they and so they feel there's a certain level of response that they're supposed to get because they're an elected official. And a lot of times as an elected official, you know, what you do is you put a request into the agencies and you ask for something. And usually you do it by writing. And it's disrespectful if you don't get a response back. And I think that's what she was referring to. Sounds like they were making requests against her and in the end weren't getting anything back. Or at least maybe some people weren't, some people weren't, which is even more of a disrespectfulness. And I think that's what she, that's the venting that you were saying was happening there. It's really interesting, Gonzo, when you consider the fact that there's an age discrepancy between the adoption of this technology. What do you think people are missing in the older generation that the younger guys are understanding? Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just something with your brain. You just get like set in your ways. Like if you think about your brain, like the things that we talk about in the Academy of the Mindset is your brain is wired to keep you safe, right? It doesn't like change. It doesn't like things that are uncomfortable. So it doesn't want you to push and to learn new things, right? It wants to keep you in your little bubble that are nice, safe. And so I think that might have a, a lot to do with it. Um, but, you know, I, I think they're just the way that I've seen them interact, it, there's almost like they're just scared of technology. I don't know if they're just scared of it or don't understand it, or they're just unwilling to learn. Right. Um, it, there's a, there's a reason why you have this, that, that saying that people always say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, right. That, that comes from some type of meaning. 
Uh, but you know, you, you have, you have to put an effort to be uncomfortable, right. To want to learn, right. There's a reason why, you know, Johnny and I are a little bit older than you abs, but like, we love this stuff, right? Like I'm constantly reading the tech side of this because I want to learn. Right. Um, and so not everybody's like that. Well, we are seeing a shift into the, Oh, go ahead, Johnny. I was just saying, we're just a little older than you. Not yeah, just a little bit. It's all about yeah. how you feel. It's all about I how you feel. Johnny here, but just a couple decades there, just guys. Couple we got decades. 290 live listeners joining us. Show some love. Smash <laughs> that like button. I, I love you guys. But here's the latest update out of Ripple because we talked about tokenization. Carbon credits are another massive conversation entering the markets today. And it seems like Ripple is going to be at the forefront. The tokenization. I think that's very risky, right? So one of the things that at Ripple and also at um, Centigrade we're looking at is we believe there's a place where you're pulling projects together, but uh, to your point, that's that makes it very risky because now there's a tendency for people to say, okay, well, I'm going to get some, uh, to put in a bond perspective, like, you know, I've got my A plus, you know, double A bonds, and then I've got my, you know, B or C bonds that are just there to fill up the, the token pool. And um, I believe that's super risky, right? So uh, we actually believe in tokenizing down to uh, the carbon credit where it's the project and the vintage and the specific methodologies that are being used. Because um, you want to be able to click on that token. I think Regen's the same way, right? You want to be able to click on that project and say, okay, what's the specific MRV data that supports this? And if you start pulling them. This is really exciting, guys. So the conversation's a little bit technical, but if you think about what he's explaining there, he's describing how they're building the fundamentals. They are laying the foundation the technology-wise for the carbon credit market to evolve. And what he's saying is that Ripple's products allow a special look into each individual aspect of the business, and it's all tracked openly and transparency on top of their blockchain. I can't see another company that has an advantage partnership-wise besides Ripple that's going to dominate this market more so, Johnny. We can talk about XLM, but really Ripple's at the forefront of the carbon credit market. Not that I love the idea of tracking carbon credits. So I'm going to kick it to you and then Gonzo. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole idea of that is not something, you know, if you dig in deep, you'll see it's just a, it's just another big tax on everybody. But nonetheless, in terms of here from a crypto perspective and in a, in a utility perspective, you're right. XRP and XLM both can do this and do it well so but to me that is very important i mean there is they're already everywhere you turn the system's already being set up for carbon credit functionality and adoption i mean you, when you buy an airline ticket now it tells you how many carbon credits you're consuming right and that just is going to continue to put more of that in place so this is coming and again to be able to get in front of it and to see ripple partnering in another space that's going to be huge from a, from a, from a, from an investor perspective, both in Ripple the company and in XRP the technology, uh, the cryptocurrency, I, I'm excited. You know, I, for me, they're always moving. I feel they got their fingers in a lot of places or their hands in a lot of places where you're going to see big potential growth and adoption and utility. So for me, abs and volume is really the keyword there that I think is going to put that, that that excites me. It gets me excited. It's just another piece of the puzzle as we're seeing the uh the sausage being made johnny we're getting an important question asked right now so i want to ask answer this before we kick it to gonzo randy asked us he goes i love the show can you please explain to me what wwe means all the world's a stage my friend but johnny crypto it's your reference so why don't you explain so randy just think of it this way wwe wwe stands for world wrestling entertainment if you haven't watched the wrestling match go watch it monday nights and uh, friday nights and basically, it's just fake wrestling, fake storylines, 
people say, you know, they act like they're bad guys and good guys, but the reality Don't let them hear you call it fake, bro. They're oh, real yeah, athletes. It, it, it's not fake because they actually, <laughs> uh, you're right. It's not, and it isn't. It's fake, predetermined, but, but like they're out there being yeah, predetermined outcomes. So they already know who's going to win and lose. Um, but it is real. It's real entertainment in the ring. These guys do get hurt. They do a lot of work. But the point is, abs. the reference to WWE just means, guys, as Ab said, it's kind of like a movie script. It's already been predetermined. You have to have good guys. You have to have bad guys. So when you see us talking about WWE, we're just referencing the fact that you have some people who are going to be on one side of the story and some other people on the other side of the story. And that's really what it means. But, yeah, uh, sorry, Eric, to shock you. Uh, yes, WWE is not fake, but it is predetermined. Absolutely, Johnny Crypto. And I like the way you phrased that right there, my friend. But let's talk about something else pretty interesting that's happening in the news today. As Sam Bankman-Fried is sustaining himself on bread and water alone, sometimes consuming handfuls of peanut butter. I'm going to assume he doesn't use silverware. <laughs> that's only a joke for our listeners. Conditions in the jailhouse are far cry from his old Caribbean stomping grounds. The, they're, coming, they're claiming that Sam Bankman-Fried is having a tough time um, in jail right now because he was a vegetarian. He has a very strict diet. But Gonzo... I'm kicking it to you. What do you think about SBF complaining about the conditions? Am I supposed to feel sorry for him? It, look, it's his own stupidity that his bail got revoked because he thought he was smarter than everyone else. And he violated his uh, basically probation or the terms of his bail. And so that it, that's his own fault. The other thing is this, is that he's still in an American jail, right? Do you know what it's like to be like, let's say in a Russian jail or maybe a third world country jail, like, uh, some in, in some of the Central American companies or countries where they don't have running water, they don't have heat, you have a bucket, like it's up to your family to bring you food because the jail doesn't, you know, feed you. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he should just count his lucky stars that he's in a U.S. prison and not like in a prison. Like, imagine if he was in the Caribbean, Gonzo. I can only imagine the impact that would have on him. But I'm, I think we lost the audio there, Johnny. Did we lose the audio? Uh, no, I can hear you. I mean, well, I don't know if we lost Gonzo's audio, but I can Oh, yeah, hear we you. lost Gonzo's audio. Here. You I know, what, you, but, you know um, what's interesting, Johnny, is that I want to play this video here from Gary Gensler because, Gary, there's a couple of clips that went around this morning, but one of them I think is very important. I wrote in that paper at that time. Oh, I got to locate it, guys. Sorry, this has not happened very often. Oh, well, you're locating that. Abs Did my audio come back? Oh yeah. yeah okay. Right. Cool. All right. Well, you're locating that. I'll just say that you know, if you don't want to be in poor conditions of eating food, then don't do things that put you in jail. That's really step number one. You know, that's step number one. You know, at this point, you know, you can't complain about stuff when you've done illegal shit that's put you there in the first place. Um, but nonetheless, those he's you're right. The conditions in the U.S. jail, any U.S. jail, is going to be far better than any other condition worldwide. Um, so from that perspective, you know, and he had it good. He had it made. He was sitting at home. Kind of reminds me of the Goodfellas scenes when the guys were in the country club jail and they're, and they're slicing up the garlic and they're making the sauce. And they're in jail and they're living a better life. Here we go. We got it going. So we'll bring it Thank back. Thank you so much, Johnny. And we got 271 live listeners joining us. I know you come for crypto, but we do the Italian references as well on this channel. <laughs> and this is a video of Gary Gensler kind of being called out for the state of crypto regulation today and really, and really explaining how we either need to see a shift or a change when it comes to how we interact with this market. So many things change, so many things remain the same. Those are the same issues on the docket today. Um, this means that in the last five months, you've done nothing to re remedy the legitimate and often bipartisan concern 
expressed by this committee and these committee members. That is disgraceful. So let's run through them again. Let me be clear, uh, Chairman Gensler, our patience is wearing thin. First, the Securities Exchange Commission's current approach to rulemaking jeopardizes the integrity of our financial markets and put, puts investors at risk. There's a critical need for comprehensive economic analysis of the rules you've proposed and their interaction with one another. Under your leadership, the Commission has failed to adequately assess their interplay and cumul uh, cumulative impact. That's shoddy work for an important agency and does not adhere to the SEC's mandatory uh, stat statutory authority. Johnny, really quick for the sake of time, I want to ask you this, this one matter of fact here. Do you think that Gary Gensler's opinion of the crypto market is currently affecting crypto prices? I have a follow-up, but can, I want to hear that answer. Well, it's definitely certainly holding the market back. I mean, it definitely took its toll on the market, you know, because of the things he's done in choking out certain exchanges and choking out um, certain banks. It, it, there's no question about it that it impacted the price a while back. Now, has that, and, you know, now would we be in the same place now just because the natural markets, you know, maybe, maybe not. I can't, you know, no one knows the answer to that one, but he certainly abs has definitely put a damper on the market. It's definitely kicked it down. Would we have a couple more, you know, maybe another few billion dollars in the market? Yeah, I think we probably would. And we'd see slightly higher prices uh, prepping it. But, you know, again, like I said, with the WWE, he, he's got a certain order he's been given and he's marching following those orders. Gonzo, what do you think? Do you think Gary Gensler's opinion is actually impacting the prices of the cryptocurrency market? And the reason I asked the question is because think about it, the entire fate in a lot of people's perspective right now, the entire fate of Bitcoin's price chart for 2024 is reliant on that ETF approval. And that's a matter of opinion from Gary Gensler here. So I want to hear your opinion and then I'll get mine. I think it's a bigger issue. I think it's a liquidity issue. We keep talking about this. I think it has to do with, you know, the raising of the rates and the money supply being shrunk and the money being taken out of the system, right? Um, but I think we're getting close to the end, right? Because Raul Paul talks about this, about like how they need to remonetize the debt, right? And it's, and that cycle of remonetizing the debt has just coincidentally fallen into what we call the four-year um, Bitcoin cycle, right? Or the, and then that coincides with the kind of business cycle. Um, and so I think that what will happen is, is that eventually they're going to have to cut rates because they can't remonetize the debt at these high interest rates. So I think it's these cycles that we go through. Um, and so, you know, if it wasn't Gary Gensler, I think it would be something else. But, you know, these things are just destined to happen. Um, but um, I, I think it'll have the opposite. Like you said, like when they approve that spot ETF, the liquidity is coming in, right? Or will it be that they're cutting rates finally because they're remonetizing the debt, right? We'll have to look at that. Well, the Empower Oversight Committee is not only asking Gary Gensler questions this morning, there was an investigation filed into former chairman uh, Jay Clayton. I almost said Bill Hinman. That one I'm sure is in the works. But here's what's happening right now, Gonzo, and I want to get your opinion because it has to do with the free pass that Bitcoin and Ethereum may have been given while trying to shut down XRP in the process. And we got 273 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and get ready, guys. This Friday, we have XRP NYC. And anybody who's going to that event, you can look for our group there. Please come up and approach us. We'd love to talk to you guys. But this yeah. is what's happening today out of the Empowerment Oversight Committee, Gonzo. 
as they've requested new information to look into the communications of former SEC chairman Jay Clayton. They're looking to figure out who the people are that he interacted with before the improper handling of cryptocurrency enforcement decisions. And they actually cite Ripple's lawsuit here claiming that XRP was accused of being a security after meeting with the agency for several years. And then Jay Clayton retires from the SEC and goes to a pro Ethereum crypto hedge fund. A lot to break down. But what I think is happening right now is the everyday person is beginning to understand these markets were decided by the regulators and the regulators gave Ethereum a free pass. What do you think? Don't defend Ethereum. That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking more so, what do you think the implications would be about the reveal of these communications? Yeah, you know, like these guys are obviously picking winners and losers, and that's not right. And these guys, the oversight people have done a very good job of uncovering these things. And these can, and, and in today's world with the technology and how we have things, these things always come to light. And so I am not going to be shocked when they find more documentation, just like they found with the Hinman emails and everything that happened and took place. I think they're going to find more stuff, right? Because we've already said this, we understand that at its core, the SEC is corrupt, right? They are not following what they're supposed to be doing. And so when you're, when you have that kind of corruption, you know, it's not just one guy, it's multiple guys, it's a culture. And so I think it's going to be easy for them to find evidence of that culture. And so I'm not going to be shocked when it plays out. Johnny, this is an interesting video here. And I can't tell I don't want to say the name of who this guy represents. This is the vice president of a company that you guys can read right here. And it begins with a P. But what he's explaining is how CBDCs and centralized money can actually put the restraints on where you travel. So this is all interconnected. 30 second video. Here we go. This is what we must not let them do. When we lose cash, if we lose cash, and you've only got central bank digital currencies, the computer will know what it is you're trying to do before you even do it. And they will prevent you from doing it. If, for example, they say, you can't leave your house more than five miles, you try and buy a bottle of water six miles from home, you won't be able to. I'm not kidding. That's those so many reasons why you should retain cash. It's offensive that the politicians... So that's why a lot of people advocate for Bitcoin as well, Johnny. They're claiming that Bitcoin can have that same value if a CBDC system is implemented. It's an international store of value. Even countries nowadays in 2023, most third world countries understand what Bitcoin is. I'm from Lebanon or my dad is from Lebanon. I am Lebanese. Even in that country, we saw their central banking system collapse in 2020. They're now beginning to understand Bitcoin. I've even seen videos of people accepting Bitcoin in restaurants in third world countries like my own. So it's an interesting time. What do you think about that entire narrative? Oh, I mean, that's exactly why, you know, everybody that we've talked to, that's the number one concern that you hear about when you mention a CBDC. And I, he spelled it right out there in public. And you've heard congressmen. There was a congressman I think we saw last week that was passing a law trying to also prevent CBDCs from going through. There is going to be a big battle in the U.S., no doubt about it on the CBDC narrative what's you know and that will be what you just heard will be the the main narrative for the anti CBDCers right to so say hey this thing goes too far the control can be too far too limiting uh, to take away your freedoms and your rights right like he like he said imagine they tell you you can't spend 5 minutes from your home i mean that that's 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 not well what america's about and so i think there'll be a monster battle on this this will this will be and, and i'm sure at the end of the day There'll be precautions that will be put in place for it to pass, 
Okay, that says, yeah, 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 that won't happen. We won't put those kind of restrictions on it. The problem is that's a slippery slope because you know, Pat, they'll, you know, they could pass it without the restrictions, but somewhere they could change, they could change, um, you know, you could change the law at any time and then put those restrictions on there. So that is always going to be by far the biggest concern about having something that's, you know, centrally controlled like that and digitally programmable. And that's why, you know, most people, like he said, the longer you can hold on to cash, but I'll tell you what, Abs, I forgot where the hell we were. Were you with me? Where were we this weekend? What was that? But yesterday, the day before, we went to go pay. Oh, no, you weren't with me. But we were we were at a place, and we went to pay cash. Like, oh, sorry, we don't take cash no more. We're like, what? And then that's it. And they hit right here in America. It's happening, right? You can't. We couldn't pay in cash. We had to pay a debit card. So it's already starting. The movement has happened, and we're there. Now, the question is, how long is that going to take? And I remember, you won't remember this because you weren't even born, but I remember when they first credit card started coming about was like maybe the mid eighties. I remember like, what the hell is this thing? And I, and that was really abs. If you think about it, step one shift from cash where nobody had nothing but cash to all of a sudden this piece of plastic that represented some debt that you were going to owe if you used it. And that was the transition step one from cash to maybe semi-digital if you want to call it that. And that was in 1980. Now here we are today, how many years? About 40 years later, and now we're starting to, you know, we're already starting to see cash going away, and then a shift from a, a plastic credit card to like just your phone, right, or, or something like that, digital. So it, but it'll, it, but so it's going to take some time. I, but this shift is happening now. Probably within the next 10 years, 15, 20 years, I don't think you're going to see cash anymore. It's going to be just, you know, digital based, just like this, CBDCs and cryptocurrencies. And here's a brief video kind of explaining the relationship that gold and Bitcoin have towards a deflating U.S. dollar. And so gold, which, which accretes today, the production of gold is about equal about one and a half to two percent of the total value per year. That's the same uh, accretion that Bitcoin has currently. Uh, that this year, 2022, I think will drop below 1.5 percent on that. So only only 21 million Bitcoin can ever be created or close to it. Doesn't matter if Bitcoin is. 100,000 or, or 20 million, there's only going to be that many of them. So um, all you have to really believe is that the demand for Bitcoin will grow faster than one and a half percent over the next number of years. And the price inexorably will go up. And that's what Mark Yusko explained. I think if, if we really just simplify it, there's no really reason to overcomplicate this whole thing. International asset store of value, it's very simple. One and a half percent rate of inflation, the US dollar is deflating at Six, seven percent, according to the Federal Reserve. If you're a real American, you understand it's much higher than that. That's why we're so optimistic about cryptocurrency overall. But specifically, Bitcoin is an asset that we're open minded to because of how regulators have acted thus far. And we do think it could be a solution for third world countries, like we just explained a couple of minutes ago. But guys, we got 255 mm. live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Johnny, why don't you close us out for today? What'd you think about that video? Yeah, no, that's a great video. I mean, that's exactly why big boys and Michael Saylor and all the other guys are investing in Bitcoin right now. There's only 21 million, 1.5% inflation rate for basically gold at that rate was growing at. And do I think the demand will be there beyond that? Absolutely. When the Bitcoin ETF comes, that's going to open up a floodgate. Tons of institutional money is going to come in. People are going to start hearing what it is. Retailers going to get excited and the demand is going to go up so high. And with a limit of 21 million apps, you can certainly expect to see a major, major price appreciation, in my opinion.
Absolutely, guys. And we got 260 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And this is an article to remember. Xbox is going to be releasing cryptocurrencies on their platform in 2028. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. But like we always say, Warriors, ah, get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining. Woo, let's go.